Good morning. It's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord with you all. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into it uh, with a few opening remarks. This man that I'm going to be presenting to you all was a man that was personally known by John Fox, who wrote Fox's Book of Martyrs. So with this man, we get many more details about his life than maybe some in the past. This man, our brother Adam started us off in the back with worldview and how it should affect our lives. And this man held a worldview that consumed his life. He was consumed with the preaching of the gospel, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and helping others any way he could to do the same. So I'm just going to dive right into it. About the year of our Lord, 1543, there was in the University of Cambridge one Master George Wishart, commonly called Master George of Bennett's College, a man of melancholy complexion by his figiognomy, black-haired, long-bearded, comely of personage, well-spoken after his country of Scotland, courteous, lowly, lovely, glad to teach, desirous to learn, and well-traveled. He was a modest man, temperate, fearing God, hating covetousness, for his charity had never end, night, noon, nor day. He forbear one meal and three, one by day, and four for the most part, except something to comfort nature. <clears throat> He loved me tenderly, and I him, John Fox speaking. He taught with great modesty and gravity, so that some of his people thought him severe and would have had him slain. But the Lord was his defense. Brother, you're in good company, and I mean that in love. And he, after due correction for their malice, by good exhortation amended them and went his way. Oh, that the Lord had left him to me, this poor boy, that he might have finished what he had begun. And I want to just make a comment right there. Look at the love that John had toward a man of God that taught him and taught him the way more perfectly. How much more are we, brethren? Because this man was not with John Fox very long to teach him. For he went into Scotland with diverse of nobility and came for a treaty to King Henry. Being desirous of propagating the true gospel in his own country, George left Cambridge in 1544, and on his arrival in Scotland, he first preached at Montrose and afterward at Dundee. In this last place, he made a public exposition of the epistle to the Romans, which he went through with such grace and freedom as greatly alarmed the papists. In consequence of this, at the instigation of Cardinal Beaton, the Archbishop of St. Andrews, one Robert Milne, a principal man at Dundee, went to the church where Wishart preached, and in the middle of his discourse publicly told him not to trouble the town anymore, for he was determined not to suffer it. This sudden rebuff greatly surprised Wishart, who, after a short pause looking sorrowfully on the speaker and the audience, said, God is my witness, that I never minded your trouble but your comfort. Yea, your trouble is more grievous to me than it is to yourselves. But I am assured to refuse God's word, and to chase you from his messenger shall not preserve you from trouble, but shall bring you into it. For God shall send you ministers that shall fear neither burning nor banishment. I have offered you the word of salvation. With the hazard of my life, I have remained among you. Now you yourselves refuse me, and I must leave my innocence to be declared by my God. If it be long prosperous with you, I am not lead by the spirit of truth. But if unlooked, if unlooked-for troubles come upon you, acknowledge the cause and turn to God, who is gracious and merciful. But if you turn not at the first warning, he will visit you with fire and sword. 
At the close of this speech, he left the pulpit and retired. After this, he went into the west of Scotland where he preached God's word, which was gladly received by many. A short time after this, Mr. Wishart received intelligence that the plague had broken out in Dundee. It began four days after he was prohibited from preaching there and raged so extremely that it was almost beyond credit how many died in the space of 24 hours. This being related to him, he, notwithstanding the importunity of his friends to detain him, determined to go there, saying, They are now in troubles and need comfort. Perhaps this hand of God will make them now to magnify and reverence the word of God, which before they lightly esteemed. Right. Here he was so with joy received by the godly. He chose the east gate for the place of his preaching, so that the healthy were within and the sick without the gate. He took his text from these words, he sent his word, and healed them. In this sermon, he chiefly dwelt on the advantage and comfort of God's word, Amen. the judgments that ensue upon the contempt or rejection of it, That's right. the freedom of God's grace to all his people, and the happiness of those of his elect whom he takes to himself out of this miserable world. The hearts of his hearers were so raised by the divine force of this discourse as not to regard death, but to judge them the more happy who should, be, who should then be called, not knowing whether they should have such comfort again with them. After this plague abated, though in the midst of it, Wishart constantly visit those that laid in the greatest extremity and comforted them by his exhortations. When he took his leave of the people of Dundee, he said that God had almost put an end to that plague and that he was now called to another place. He went from thence to Montrose, where he sometimes preached, but he spent most of his time in private meditation and prayer. It is said that before he left Dundee, and while he was engaged in the labors of love to the bodies as well as to the souls of those poor afflicted people, Cardinal Beaton engaged a desperate popish priest called John Wayton to kill him. The attempt to execute, which was as follows. One day, after Wishart had finished his sermon and the people departed, a priest stood waiting at the bottom of the stairs with a naked dagger in his hand under his gown. But Mr. Wishart, having a sharp, piercing eye and seeing the priest as he came from the pulpit, said to him, My friend, what would you have? And immediately clapping his hand upon the dagger took it from him. The priest, being terrified, fell to his knees, confessed his intention, and craved pardon. A noise hereupon was raised. Remember, he's in Dundee, where all the sick were that he was ministering to. And it coming to the ears of those who were sick, they cried, Deliver the traitor to us. We will take him by force. Yes. And they burst in at the gate. But Mr. Wishart, right. taking the priest in his arms, said, Whatsoever hurts him shall hurt me. For he hath done me no mischief, but much good, by teaching more heedfulness for the time to come. By this conduct, he appeased the people and saved the life of the wicked priest. Now, the priest was certainly no anointed of the Lord, but it made me think of David toward Saul when he had opportunities to kill him right. and the mercy that he showed toward an enemy. Soon after his return to Montrose, the cardinal again conspired his death, causing a letter to be sent to him as if it had been from his familiar friend, the Laird of Kenier, in which it was desired with all possible speed to come to him as he was taken with a sudden sickness. In the meantime... The cardinal had provided 60 men armed to lie in wait within a mile and a half of Montrose in order to murder him as he passed that way. The letter came to Mr. Wishart's hand by a boy who also brought him a horse for the journey. Wishart, accompanied by some honest men, his friends, set forward. But something particular striking his mind by the way, he returned 
which they wondering at asked him for the cause, to whom he said, I will not go. I am forbidden of God. I am assured there is treason. Let some of you go to yonder place and tell me what you find. Which doing, they made the discovery and hastily returned. They told Mr. Wishart, whereupon he said, I know I shall end my life by that bloodthirsty man's hands, but it will not be in this matter. A short time after this, he left Montrose and proceeded to Edinburgh in order to propagate the gospel in that city. By the way, he lodged with a faithful brother called James Watson of Inner Quarry. In the middle of the night, he got up, went into the yard, which two men hearing, they privately followed him. While in the yard, he fell on his knees and prayed for some time with the greatest fervency, after which he arose and returned to his bed. Those who attended him, appearing as though they were ignorant of all, came and asked him where he had been, but he would not answer them. The next day they importuned him to tell them by saying, Be plain with us, for we heard your mourning and saw your gestures. On this, he with a dejected countenance said, I had rather you had been in your beds. But they still pressing upon him to know something, he said, I will tell you, I am assured that my warfare is near at end, and therefore pray to God with me that I shall not, strength, not, I shall not shrink when the battle waxeth most hot. Soon after, Cardinal Beaton, Archbishop of St. Andrews, being informed that Mr. Wishart was at the house of Mr. Cockburn of Ormistone in East Lothian, applied the, the regent to cause him to be apprehended, with which, after great persuasion and much against his will, he complied. In consequence of this, the cardinal immediately proceeded to the trial of Wishart, against whom no less than 18 articles were exhibited. Mr. Wishart answered the respective articles with great composure of mind, and in so learned and clear a manner as greatly surprised most of those who were present. After the examination was finished, the archbishop endeavored to prevail on Mr. Wishart to recant, but he was too firmly fixed in his religious principles and too much enlightened with the truth of the gospel to be in the least moved. On the morning of his execution, there came to him two friars from the cardinal, one of whom put, him, put on him a black linen coat, and the other brought several bags of gunpowder, which they tied about different parts of his body. As soon as he arrived at the stake, the executioner put a rope around his neck and a chain about his middle, upon which he fell on his knees and thus exclaimed, O thou Savior of the world, have mercy upon me. Father of heaven, I commend my spirit into thy holy hands. After this, he prayed for his accusers, saying, I beseech thee, Father of heaven, forgive them that have, from ignorance or an evil mind, forged lies of me. I forgive them with all my heart. I beseech Christ to forgive them that have ignorantly condemned me. He was then fastened to the stake, and the sticks being lighted immediately set fire to the powder that was tied about, about him, which blew into a flame and smoke. The governor of the castle, who stood so near that he was singed with the fire, exhorted the martyr in a few words to be of good cheer and to ask the pardon of God for his offenses, to which he replied, This flame occasions trouble my body. Indeed, but it hath in no wise broken my spirit. But he who now so proudly looks down upon me from yonder lofty place, pointing to the cardinal, shall ere long be ignominiously thrown down, as now he proudly lolls at his ease, which prediction was soon after fulfilled. The hangman that was his tormentor sat down upon his knees and said, Sir, I pray you to forgive me, for I am not guilty of your death. To whom he answered, Come hither to me. When that he was come to him, he kissed his cheek and said, Lo, 
Here is a token that I forgive thee. My heart, do thine office. And then he was put up upon the gibbet and hanged and burned to powder. When that the people beheld the great tormenting, they might not withhold from piteous mourning and complaining of this innocent lamb's slaughter. And here comes the justice of God that the Lord gave this man a little earlier. It was not long after the martyrdom of this blessed man of God, Master George Wishart, who was put to death by David Beaton, the bloody Archbishop and Cardinal of Scotland, A.D. 1546, the first day of March, that the said David Beacon, Beaton, by the just revenge of God's mighty judgment, was slain within his own castle of St. Andrews, by the hands of one Leslie and other gentlemen, who, by the Lord stirring up, breaking suddenly upon him, and in his bed murdered him the said year, the last day of May, crying out, Alas, alas, slay me not, I am a priest. And so, like a butcher he lived, and like a butcher he died, and lay seven months and more unburied, and at the last, like a carrion, was buried in a dunghill. This man gave his life to the preaching of the gospel to help souls, to comfort them, to show them the way of God more perfectly. Brethren, he, he committed his life to it. He had a worldview where he committed his life to it. And the Lord, we see the love this, the Lord had to this man just in the revenge that he gave him. But it, in everything, it was worth it to him. How much, how much more us? Yes. Should it be worth it to us? This man, we don't know how much he had or how much he really knew. And we knew he knew the book of Romans, and that's all I could really gather from this. But he committed his life to the Lord yes. and to helping souls and loving souls. We ought to do the same. Amen. Amen.